Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mo Money Podcast. This is your bonus episode for the week. Yay! Because even though there's some craziness going on in the world, yeah, still crazy. It's probably going to be crazy for a while, yet there's still important things that we need to do in our lives, like taxes. We've got to file our taxes no matter what. Um, there's no word as of this recording anyway that there is a going to be a, a delay or anything with the tax deadline. So just take this time to prepare your taxes and file your taxes wherever you want to file your taxes. But if you do want to use the online tax software you file, make sure to use promo code MOMONEY to get 15% off. Um, so for this episode, I am talking to a repeat guest, uh, Jerry Viterados. He was on my show literally the first year I had my show. He's episode 44 in April 2016, which is crazy. So if you want to check that out uh, you know, and see what we were talked about in that episode, just go to jessicamorehouse.com slash 44 to check it out. But uh, for this episode, we are going to dive into a ton of different topics, including tax brackets, tax deductions, tax credits, um, and just a bunch of other stuff that uh, I don't think I've ever really talked to anyone on the show about when it comes to taxes. So you're going to get your tax fill right here, and you're going to love it. Um, just before I get to uh, start, though, just in case you uh, never listened to that original episode with Jerry, uh, he has been working for Thompson Reuters for over 10 years as a trainer and tax support resource person. And in his capacity as a head trainer, Jerry has been providing training sessions to tax professionals all over Canada. So he really knows his stuff. And he's also made several radio and TV appearances on BNN and Global TV as the U-File tax specialist discussing a multitude of tax topics. And Jerry has also served as the main resource person for the tax support department at Thomson Reuters, resolving complex tax issues and questions for tax professionals using the DT professional suite. And uh, Jerry obtained his graduate diploma in taxation from Sherbrooke University in 2018 and is in the process of obtaining a master's of taxation. And you can understand why he's done so much education and he does so many different things listening to this episode because he is very passionate about taxes, which I, which is why I love having him on the show. So you're going to love this episode. So uh, let's get to it. Welcome back to the show, Jerry. I'm so excited to have you back on. Did you know that you were first on the show? Because I, you, you were on the show before, but I didn't realize it was is really in the early days. You were episode 44, April 2016. I'm in like I'm over 200 episodes now. <laughs> wow, uh, I am honored. I'm honored. I was in your first 100. I mean, that's great. Your first 50. First 50, actually. That's awesome. I know the first 50. So that was, yeah, that was actually, I think I called the first year, the first 52 episodes was season one. So you're in season one, I believe. Wow. That's great. I know that was, that's wild. That seems like a lifetime ago. Um, and I'm excited to have you back on because even though there's some craziness going on in the world, a lot of panic, a lot of uh, stuff happening, we need to still, you know, get back to reality. And I think it's important actually to like not just focus about what's going on in the world and just like focus on other things. That's how I stay calm. And one thing we need to focus on is, well, it's still tax season. We need to do our taxes because if there's, you know, two things that we, you know, that are ultimate things we always have to do taxes is one of those things <laughs> yeah absolutely well just remember taxes doesn't wait for anybody i mean just remember that even when you die you still have to pay taxes on your what they call the final return so so even when you die you got to pay taxes right so it doesn't matter taxes is one of these special things that you know it does not stop for anybody we still have to pay Exactly. And before I hit the record button, you mentioned, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. We're recording this on March 15th. Things seem to be changing daily. So that's why I'm saying the date because I mean, I've, I've done, you know, a couple of recordings. I'm like, oh my gosh, so much has changed since that recording. But um, we may or may not see maybe a delay in the, in terms of like the, the tax deadline. There's nothing announced yet, but who knows to, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whenever you have these kind of, um, these kind of events, I think the last time the government had delayed, uh, was when, uh, they had some, some sort of technical glitch. I remember years back, uh, maybe about 10 years back, if I, if my memory serves me. And, uh, they did delay for like a couple of weeks, but it won't, if there is delay, it won't be a long one. That's for sure. Uh, so I would still recommend to everybody. 
you know, file your returns as, as soon as you can, you know? Exactly. And I'd say to you, especially since everyone's talking about the importance of self-isolation, I mean, I have definitely been taking that seriously. I mean, it's a bit easier for me because I already work at home, but I am not going outside necessarily. I live in the city of Toronto. There's so many people here, so I just want to be careful. Um, and I, I guess I am just like maybe reading too much news. But when you're at home and you're kind of stuck at home, well, here's a great opportunity to sit down and get all of your tax stuff ready and then use an online tax software like you file because you could do it at home on your computer and just get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now, yeah, I mean, you said it best. Now's the time. I mean, we're all marooned here, right? I mean, uh, at our at our homes right now. So, I mean, if there is a time to do it, it's now. You've got all the time now to do it. You know, there's really no excuse. There's really no excuse to that point. Yeah, just get it over with so it's one less thing off your plate and you can kind of move on to some other fun things like just binging on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about taxes. Um, uh, I want to kind of start off because I, I actually get like a lot of questions throughout the year about taxes and sometimes they're, they're kind of simple questions that people may just not have the right information about. So one thing uh, I want to talk about is just something kind of fairly foundational, which is tax brackets. I feel like people hear that term a lot. They may not quite understand how they work. And there is a difference between an average tax rate and a marginal tax rate. Do you want to kind of explain how does that all work? Yeah, sure. Uh, so for tax brackets, uh, the way it works is that we've got basically, you know, five brackets here in, uh, in Canada with different tax rate, right? Depending on the income that you've gained. I think the myth that a lot of people have about tax brackets is that, well, if I make, let's say the income that's within the second bracket, well, I pay the tax rate for my full income within that tax bracket. So for example, uh, the tax bracket right now, that's at the second tax bracket, we're at about 20 and a half percent. Okay. And that's for income for the, for 2019, that would be for uh, taxable income that is between 47 and 95,000. Okay. So a lot of people think, oh, well, if I make between that income, I have to pay 20 and a half percent, uh, tax rate on that income, on that taxable income. And the answer is not, is not that. The way the tax brackets work is that it's basically you have to picture your income, the income that you received as chunks. Okay. So your first 47,000, you'll be charged 15% on that income. Okay. Then your next almost 45, 47,000 or a little bit less than that, you'll be charged 20% between 47 and 95. So assume for a second that I made exactly 95,000 of income. Okay. So the way the bracket works is that on my first 47,000 that I've gained, I will pay 15% on that 47,000. Then between 47 and 95 on that chunk of my income, I will pay 20 and a half percent. So it's not just a straightforward, oh, you're in the second bracket, you pay 20 and a half. It doesn't work that way. And it's actually fair this way when you think about it. You know, because imagine now, imagine you were right at the threshold. Imagine you made 48,000. And now all of a sudden on your 48,000, you had to pay 20 and a half instead of 15%, which is the first bracket. That, 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 that would not be fair. That would not be equitable at all. So that's how the tax brackets work is that you're going to cut up, basically picture, picture it as cutting up your income into chunks. Okay. And then the first chunk of your income, which would be 47,000, you're going to pay 15% on that. Then take your second chunk, which would be between 47 and 95, and you're going to pay 20 and a half, and then so on and so forth. Then you just keep going up the ladder. Okay. You keep going up the ladder at that point. Okay. So, so essentially then your tax, your, your overall tax payable would be what did you pay? What was your 15% on your 47,000 plus what is the tax you're paying between 47 and 95? Add the two amounts up, that becomes your tax, you know, that becomes your tax owing essentially on the federal. And this, it works the same way on the provincial side. So provincially, regardless of the province that you're in, uh, you're going to have the same concept. Okay. So it's just going to be, the rates will be less than, than on the federal side, but it will be exactly the same concepts. So that, that's essentially how, and that's, this is what we call a progressive tax rate. That, you know, you'll, you'll hear that term a lot, uh, used by, you know, financial advisors or, or used, uh, within the financial media, you know, uh, progressive tax rate, meaning the more income you make, the more it'll get taxed. But again, only that chunk of income will get taxed more, not the first chunk. Yeah. I think it's so important to know because I've even had conversations where people think that, 
I don't want to earn more than this amount because I'm going to pay way too much in tax. I'm like, well, yeah, you will technically be paying more in tax, but it will not basically uh, eliminate that extra income. I think some people kind of get this idea that if they make a certain amount, then, well, all that extra income is actually going to go to taxes, so I shouldn't even try to earn that more. I'm like, it's always better to earn more money. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. That's the rule of thumb. If you can make more money, do it. You know what I mean? That, you know, no, yeah. Yeah. You're not going to lose it all from taxes. It's still going to be worth it. You're not going to lose that money in taxes. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what you're going to pay more is essentially on that, on that amount that goes over the threshold, right? So, so like, let's take my example. Let's say you have a job right now, you have 45 and your, your employer offers you 5,000 more. Let's say so now. Now you now you've just jumped to the second bracket because you've crossed over forty seven thousand. But remember, tw- the twenty and a half percent you're only paying uh, on about two thousand dollars of that income. Uh, between forty five and forty seven, you're only going to you're still going to pay the same tax rate you paid before the raise. So so that's essentially what people need to understand. And yes, I mean take the money, please. Yeah, I mean it's you know I mean if you're if you're going to make more, that should not be an excuse. You know, and even if you do pay a lot more taxes, figure out ways to to reduce that tax burden, right? That's your better option. Figure it out there than instead of saying, okay, I'm not going to take the money. You know, I mean, it's, it just doesn't make sense at all. Exactly. So just kind of to reiterate, your average tax rate is the percentage of taxes owed. Your marginal tax rate is kind of those tax brackets. Uh, kind of. It's, it's not exactly like that. Because remember, you also have credits as well, right? I mean, it, it, because the marginal tax rate also includes some of the credits that you'd be entitled to as well. But essentially, average tax rate is the most straightforward uh, computation uh, of, of what it is. It's in, essentially, it's, it's your taxable income. Uh, uh, it's your tax divided by your taxable income, okay, by, by your total income, right? That's your average tax rate. So that's essentially the actual tax you've paid uh, on the income that you've earned, okay? And, that, and it's not even taxable income, it's really total income because, uh, you know, you have to base it on what did you really earn and then, and then your deductions afterwards will, will take care, you know, will, will, will uh, change that rate. Marginal tax rate is, yes, the tax brackets, the related, it's related to tax brackets, but essentially it is if I make an extra dollar, so take that example, that person who made 5000 more. If I make that extra dollar beyond what I made last year, what would that extra dollar be charged? And, and you're right. At that point, the, that, this is where the brackets come in. So for example, uh, if I made 40000 and I made forty five, and now I'm making forty five, well, my marginal tax rate will not be much different than my average tax rate, okay? Because, because that extra dollar will not get charged extra tax. But take the, take the person who's made forty five. And now jumps to 50. Now you'll see the marginal tax rate really jump because on that extra 5,000, 2,000 of that or around about two, two and a half thousand of that will get charged a higher tax rate. So therefore that marginal rate goes up quite a bit compared to the average tax rate. So, so the marginal tax rate, essentially what it answers, the question that it answers is if I decide to take that promotion to take that raise, what would the extra dollar that I make be charged? While the average tax rate is the basically the tax that I'm paying, you know, essentially, what am I paying on the income that I currently have? And that's essentially what the average tax rate is. There you go. There you go. I always kind of say it's uh, if you want to really go down the rabbit hole, this is something I do as a self-employed person because I'm always trying to figure out what is my average tax rate throughout the year. Um, so I know I'm saving enough um, is find kind of a, an income tax calculator punch in some numbers and kind of see, just punch in different numbers to see kind of the different uh, changes in average tax rate and marginal tax rate. And I think you kind of can get a better sense when you have that visual, if you want to play around with it, (laughs) like a nerd like me. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a lot, and there's a lot of uh, average tax rates and marginal tax rate calculators that are there. You know, I mean, you just, just Google it literally, just Google it, say, you know, Canada average tax rate or Canada marginal tax rate at that point, you, you get a multitude of calculators that are pretty accurate, actually. They're, they're, pretty, they're pretty spot on. They, they can't, of course, be accurate to, to a couple of dollars, right? Because of the fact that, you know, the, the calculator doesn't know what kind of credits you're entitled to, right? Or, or deductions that you're entitled to. So, uh, but, but they're still, they give you a really good picture. Like you said, they give you a really good picture of, you know, if you decide to take that extra money or, or let's say you decide to move to another province, what would be, and you make that extra money, what would be the difference, you know, in that, what, what, what extra tax would you pay? Yeah. 
Exactly. Now you mentioned uh, tax deductions, tax credits. Let's kind of talk a little bit about those. Um, I want to talk about tax credits first because another question I get is uh, a lot of people confused about the difference between a refundable and non-refundable tax credit. Do you want to kind of explain what is the difference? Okay. So so the difference is in the name. Okay. The name actually gives you the clue as to what the difference between a, a non-refundable and a refundable tax credit is. Let's start with a simple one, which is a refundable one. So a refundable credit it, the name says it all, is that if your credits go beyond your tax owing, uh, then you get refunded the difference, okay, by the government, okay? So let's take it, let's take a very, you know, really simple example. So you have, for example, uh, $1,000 of, of federal tax owing, let's say, and now your combined refundable credits come out to $1,200 or $1,200. So when you take 1000 minus 1200 well, you have a negative $200, that negative is is refunded to you by the government. And that's essentially what, the, what, what a refund on your tax return is, is that you take your net federal tax minus your refundable, uh, your refundable credits, and then if it comes out negative, you have a refund. If it comes out positive, you have an amount owing. Okay, that's the last, st- that's the last step of your tax return. So refundable, again, means you know if my credits outweigh or are above my tax owing, I am refunded the difference. And that's why they're called refundable tax credits. Okay. So, so tip, the, the most typical refundable tax credit you'll see on your tax return is your payroll tax. That's the typical one. Okay. So whatever you, you get withheld as a payroll tax on, at source on your employment income, that becomes a refundable tax. Okay. A refundable tax credit. Sorry. So that's essentially what that is. Now, non-refundable tax credits. Now the name says it all. It, they are non-refundable, which means that I take the same example again, but this time, I, this time my $1,200 are non-refundable. So I've got federal tax owing of a thousand. I've got um, uh, non-refundable credits of a thousand two hundred. Okay, then the difference, unfortunately, will not be refunded to me. Okay, so what the credits will do is that they'll nullify my federal tax. So I've got zero tax to pay, but that extra two hundred dollars, unfortunately, just you know disappears. Goes away. You don't get it as a refund. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's why, you know, that, that's why whenever you see like, um, you know, the government does a lot of advertising, you know, about, oh, look at these credits, look at that credit that I do. I mean, they're great. Don't get me wrong. Anything that can reduce your tax is great. But remember that the majority of these are non-refundable. Okay. And they don't cost the government as much. Okay. Because they know that all they're going to do is simply wipe out your tax, but they, they won't owe you anything on the difference. Okay. So, so that's essentially what, what the difference between refundable and non-refundable. Now, non-refundable, there are a bunch. I mean, it's just, you know, that this is where the government, this is what I say, what I say, every government tries to win elections, okay, through non-refundable tax credits. And you'll notice them ramp up the credits just before election years, okay? You'll always notice that, okay? So, I mean, there's every type. I mean, the, of course, you have your typical ones like uh, uh, donations, uh, medical expenses, um, then any contributions you make to your C. CPP, uh, any contributions you make to EI, these are non-refundable credits, okay, that, that are used to reduce uh, your federal tax, okay? So, that, so that's essentially, you know, that's the major crux of, uh, that's the difference between the two. Yeah, exactly. That, that's great. Uh, since you're, you kind of mentioned a few, do you want to kind of share some other tax credits that maybe people, they can either be refundable or non-refundable that people may not be aware of? Like, I feel like as I've been doing my taxes for a while, I kind of, know most of them, but I always feel like, like you said, sometimes there's some new ones that maybe people forgot about. Uh, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's quite a few. I mean, I know that, um, uh, for example, you've got your typical ones, which are, you know, your tuition, education, and textbook amount. So your tuition amount is one. Uh, that, that's one. You know, the, the big ones are medical and donations, okay? Especially medical, because who doesn't have medical expenses these days, right? Who doesn't have a prescription that they take uh, from the pharmacy? And, and usually the tip that I give uh, that I give as far as, for example, medical is that there's a lot of type of expenses that are eligible as medical expenses. Okay. There's, there's, you know, if you go to the CRA website, just type in medical expenses, they have a whole list of things. Okay. And, and one that is often ignored a lot of times are specialists. Okay. So for example, you go to a psych, you go to a psychologist. Okay. Uh, you go to a naturopath, you go to, uh, uh, you know, and so on. There's a, there's a bunch of them on the list, a chiropractor, for example, you know, um, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Uh, you know, all these specialists. Any visits you do with these specialists are eligible as a medical expense. 
Okay. So these are the ones and, 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 you know, and, and I think the theme that I said in the, in the first uh, podcast that I'd done with you was to get organized. I, I remember I, I really, I really pushed that in the first uh, podcast and I say it again because you'd be amazed how many people lose out on these expenses because they just don't have the receipts. They, they, they just, they just forget them or they don't think at that moment when the practitioner is giving you the receipt to archive it, you know, grab that and put it, put it aside because most people get their tax receipts, you know, around what February, right? February, March is when they get them, but your medical receipts, you get them throughout the year. It's not, it's not one specific time that you'll get your medical receipts. So that's why I repeat, I repeat to people, you know, when in doubt, if you think it's eligible, put it aside. Okay. Put it aside right away as much as you can. Um, from there, uh, beyond that, uh, you know, there's not, there's not, um, you know, again, you have your typical ones. The other ones are very strict rules, essentially. I mean, you all, we all have our basic personal amount, which basically means the government simply gives you uh, $12,000 uh, at a 15% clip as a basic credit. Okay, they give it to all of us with, with a few exceptions, uh, with a few exceptions. Uh, for those who are seniors who are born in 1954 or earlier, they also have the age amount, which can be quite interesting. Uh, they get basically about 15% of $7,400, okay, which is just purely because they're uh, of a certain age. Okay, that's, uh, that, that's an interesting one as well. Um, beyond that, there's some big ones that are rare, but that can help out quite a bit. One is adoption expenses. Okay. So, so you, you know, you go and, and do the whole, uh, cause adoption can be very expensive, right? I mean, it's not a, it's not exactly a cheap endeavor to, to adopt a child. Uh, so the government gives a non-refundable tax credit for that as well. Okay. And, and one of the newer ones that came in that is interesting coming back to seniors, uh, is essentially what we, what we call the home accessibility expenses. So, so any work that has been done, any renovations that have been done to the home to make it more accessible, for example, you know, ramps, uh, ramps in the bathroom, uh, you know, a, a wheelchair ramp outside the house, et cetera. These are now, you know, specifically, uh, uh, you can claim them as a credit, as a non-refundable tax credit on your tax return. So that's another, um, that's another example as well. Um, so these are, these are typical ones. Uh, and then, you know, I mean, beyond that, then it's really becomes minutia, you know, what type of income do you have? Uh, and if you're really, again, a lot of these credits are very specific, you know, they're, they're targeted to a very specific, uh, audience. So that, that would be on the non-refundable side on the refundable side. Uh, you have an interesting one, which is the, what they now call the Canada workers benefit, uh, what, what used to be called. Uh, the working income tax benefit. So that one essentially is for people who are just getting started in the job market, uh, essentially to encourage them to stay in the job market by getting a, a, a refundable credit in this case, if they gain a certain amount of income. Okay. So, so somebody who's young or somebody, for example, who was on welfare originally and now is getting into the job market. Okay. The, what the government does is simply top up uh, top up your, your credits, you know, to encourage you to stay and to continue in the job market. Okay. So it's, it's not unlike, uh, what we saw that, you know, the experiment in, in Ontario when it come, when it came to the minimum income. It's, it's very similar concept. This will be more of a, uh, you know, what eco- economists will call a negative income tax, essentially. And the purpose of it is that, well, if you're just getting started, you know, if you're making about five to 10 grand, let's not kid ourselves, not a lot of money to live on, you know, and you're losing other benefits in the meantime. So the candle workers benefit comes in to essentially, you know, stem the loss of the other benefits you were collecting before you got back into the job market. Uh, so, so that one's an interesting one. That, that, that's, that's, a, that's a great one that's been there for years and the government actually increased it this year uh, for 2019. So that's, that's a great one. Um, and, and then beyond that, I think the last one that I could think of uh, off the top of my head um, is the, um, uh, with, uh, the, um, the school supply one for teachers. So if you're a teacher and you have school supplies that you paid out of pocket, now you can claim these as a refundable credit on your return. And that's interesting because you're, you're refunded directly, essentially, you know, a portion of those expenses. So that, that's, that's a nice one as well. Yeah. And yeah, I know teachers do that all the time. <laughs> so that's great that there's that uh, tax credit. So I guess important, those are awesome, but it's important for uh, everyone just to look at the CRA's website just to see what's kind of new. But if, if someone was to use like an online tax software like you file, would suggestions come up or like would they be guided so they don't miss something? 
Yes, I mean we would have uh, we have an, an option within our program which we call tax savings ideas, and then based on the uh, based on your profile, based on what you've inputted in the software, the software will give you suggestions on some of these credits that I just mentioned now. Uh, you know, so it'll give you some suggestions saying, hey, you know, we noticed this, maybe you were you're entitled to this credit, you know, maybe you're entitled to this deduction, you know. So that's uh, so that's part of the of the software what it does. It, it's got a little, uh, it's got like an artificial intelligence that looks at your profile and says, okay, well, you know what, I. I see that you claim this expense. Maybe you could claim this as well. Why don't you check your receipts and see if you can do that? That's awesome. Well, that's part of the reason to not try to do it manually, I'd say. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I mean, pen and paper is long gone. I mean, no, no, forget about that. I, I mean, I tip my hat to people who still do it. Uh, but to me, you know, you're, I, to me, you're missing out on a lot of things if you, uh, uh, if you do it by pen and paper, not, not the least of which are transfers between a couple. For example, uh, I mean, these alone can save you quite a bit of quite a bit of money, uh, uh, quite a bit of you could get quite a bit of tax savings by simply transferring certain amounts like your medical expenses or your donations to your spouse. Uh, and that's hard to do with pen and paper. You know, uh, you could leave, you know, uh, like UFAL has an artificial intelligence in there that basically does these transfers automatically. So no, no, no. By all means, please use software. I mean, I'm not just doing this. I'm not just doing this to plug our product. I'm doing this to save you, to save you money. You know. Yeah, save you money and time, and you know, a marriage possibly. <laughs> like, absolutely, absolutely. Um. So, I, I, on the kind of same lines, uh, I want to talk a little bit about investing because I think a lot of people are, aren't too maybe worried about taxes and and their investments because they're like, oh no, I've got everything in my RSP or my TFSA, and so I don't really have to worry about that. Um, but you know, there's also lots of people out there that have investments in a taxable account and may not actually understand that they have to pay tax on the interest or, uh, the capital gains or the dividends they earn. Do you want to kind of talk about what can they expect <laughs> when they are uh, having to pay taxes on those? Okay. So, so essentially just remember that, you know, a lot of people, for example, have taxable accounts also have what we call drips, right? So uh, d- direct, d- basically in other words, you're, you're repurchasing the same stock through dividends. So with drips, for example, you don't actually get to see the cash, right? There's no cash in your account. It just simply reinvests and buys more shares. Well, with a drip though, that's, that's considered income on your return. Okay, especially from a taxable account. So you have to be, you have to be mindful of this. Any dividends or any interest that the account generates, even if you reinvest it right away, even if you don't actually cash that amount in, uh, becomes income on your return. Now, that, that might sound like bad news, but there is some good news here. Okay. The, the first one being, I mean, first of all, who gets interest income at this point? Let's get that out of the way. Okay. I mean, you know, what are the interest rates now? We're about to get, we're about to hit negative territory at this point, right? Uh, we're going to be paying the government to hold money for us, you know, or the banks to hold money for us, which I think with, actually, with a lot of countries, it's already the case, right? So, but with dividends, what's interesting is that remember that dividends have a preferential tax rate. Okay, the government is incentivizing you to invest in Canadian dividend paying stocks. Okay, that's essentially what they're doing. So even if you have a taxable account, you're saying, oh, wow, I have to declare these dividends as income every single year. Remember that they don't get taxed the same as interest income, for example, or your employment income or your business income. They don't get taxed the same. They actually get a preferential tax rate because they're eligible for, and here's another non-refundable tax credit, uh, the dividend tax credit. Essentially, so the government is incentivizing you to put it to, to, to buy uh, dividend-paying stocks. So the tax system and the way the tax code has been written in Canada is to essentially incentivize you to invest in these companies so by number one. Like I mentioned, you're getting uh, the dividend tax credit. Okay, so that's that's a really big one because that really reduces your tax bill uh, by quite a bit. And essentially, meaning that income doesn't get taxed the same. Interest, unfortunately, gets taxed exactly like employment income or business income. Okay, it's just it's just income that's there, and it's submitted to, through the tax brackets, and there's no real tax break when it comes to uh, interest income, unlike dividend income. Now, now the the kicker, or let's say the, the the cherry on top, when it comes to taxable investments, and again, unfortunately they're taxable, but it doesn't matter; they're still incentivized, is on the capital gains side as well. Okay, so let's assume now you sell one of these investments at a profit. Okay. Well, that profit becomes income now on your return, just the profit, right? So, you know, I had a stock at 5,000. Uh, you know, I sold it. I, I sold it for, uh, actually my cost was 2000. I sold it for five. My profit is three. Now from that profit, you split that profit in half and half it goes straight to your pocket. 
it doesn't get taxed. This is what the government calls the, the 50% inclusion rate, which means that from whatever profit you make on these stocks or mutual funds, let's say, or, or ETFs, which whatever you buy, only half of it gets included in your income. The other half you get to pocket. Okay, it's literally in your pocket. Like the government simply says, you know what? It's tax-free, you keep it. And you're only going to be taxed on the $1,500 extra. Okay, on, on that $1,500 instead of the 3000 profit that you actually made. So on the one side, I'm getting a preferential uh, tax rate for the dividends. On the other side, I get to keep half the profits that I make on those accounts and pocket them directly. Okay, so... So, you know, on, on the taxable account, it's, again, even though, um, even though, you know, you're still better off putting it in an RSP or TFSA because, you know, the, what I just mentioned now, interest, dividends, and capital gains are sheltered, okay, in those, in those accounts, they never get touched, they never get, they don't, they don't get taxed until, for example, within RSP, you pull it out, it's still worth putting something in your taxable account if you've maxed out you know, your, your, your tax preferred accounts, it's still worth it because you're getting a preferential tax treatment on that income. Okay. Now there's another thing you could do as well, considering that the interest rates are so low right now. Okay. I mean, the bank of Canada, what cut the rate, uh, right now we're dated to what's called we're in the, we're mid March right now, 2020. Uh, the, the bank of Canada has just dropped the rates again. Remember that now you're in, remember that for a taxable account, an investment loan is tax deductible. So, so for example, let's say you borrow money to buy shares or your mutual fund uh, in a taxable account. Well, as long as what you buy creates income, in other words, interest or dividends, the interest that you pay on your investment loan becomes tax deductible. You, you, you can deduct it off your, off your net income and taxable income like you can an RSP contribution. It's the same thing. Okay. So, so, and, and, and right now the interest rates are so low right now. I mean, if you were, if you ever, like, I know, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not proposing that people, you know, on a personal finance side of things, I'm not proposing that people borrow to invest because it is risky. Yeah. Borrow to invest. Only do that if you know the risks you're taking, you know, I think don't go crazy. I've been getting so many questions. People asking me, Oh, what should I buy? What should I buy? I'm like, you need to relax and have a plan and know what you're getting yourself into. And don't go crazy if you've never started investing and start borrowing to invest. Don't do that. That's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do not do that unless you know the risk. Exactly. That, that is the perfect advice. But if you were to do it, if you were to do it, now is a really good time in the sense of the, because the loan, the, the, you know, the loan rates are so low right now. I mean, I, I, it's unseen. It's never been seen before uh, how low these rates are. And remember that for a taxable account, that interest that you're paying becomes deductible. So it's, it's, it, it can be quite advantageous, you know? So, so again, even though it's taxable, you know, the account is taxable, you're like, oh, you know, that's not great. You still get some breaks. Uh, you still get some breaks by having a taxable account if you've maxed out your tax preferred accounts. Awesome. Um, I want to talk a little about the CRA My Account. Now, I'm uh, probably in there more than most people, just because I'm also self employed, and so I, you know, have to check it for my business and my personal, you know, amounts for like, you know, what are my contribution rooms and all that kind of stuff. So I'm in there quite a bit. Lots of people probably don't pop in there you know, uh, unless it is tax season. And I know there's a few updates. There's a new section called un- uncast checks that people have been talking about. Do you want to kind of explain what that is that people can expect once they log in? Yeah. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm just surprised that there, even, that there should be a section there called uncast checks. I mean, that is just beyond me, you know? I mean, uh, I unfortunately do not have any. I checked it. I was very disappointed. <laughs> Well, that's not unfortunate. That's fortunate. That means you actually took your money, you know, the money that was owed to you, right? I mean, I find it, you know, I find it so surprising to have a section like that, but let's get into it. I mean, essentially, uncashed checks, meaning that, you know, if the government owes you money, essentially, you know, you have not, you know, you have not cashed the check from a, uh, from an, a previous assessment that you have. Well, now it'll list it for you in my account. Okay. And my account is basically the government portal that gives you, that explains everything about your, uh, about your tax file with the CRA. So everything is there with my account. I can't recommend it enough. It is a great, great service that is offered by, uh, by the CRA, uh, by the CRA that essentially explains to you a lot of things, not just, you know, your, your past notice of assessments, but also what are you allowed to contribute to your RSP? And it's the only place where you could see directly what you're allowed in your TFSA. 
it's really the only place you can go. Now, I have a, I have a question with that just because I've had some people ask me or, or, or they got some information somewhere that says, well, I heard that even when you log in, the, the amounts that it shows for your RSP of, uh, contributions or like how much available room you have uh, for your RSP and your TFSA may not be 100% accurate. Is that true? Uh, it's, it's a timing thing. Okay, that, that's essentially what it means. Because remember, remember that, that the, uh, the limits that the government is giving you for your RSP and TFSA is a snapshot as of that moment, right? So the, so, so the government doesn't know until you file your return what you've contributed during the year. Okay, so, so you might have, you know, $10,000 worth of room in your RSP or your TFSA, but they don't know that you've made contributions along the way. Okay, so they, they, they don't know that offhand until you file a return. Now for the TFSA, you'll only find out at the, uh, at the beginning of next year. Okay, because it's your bank that sends the transactions to the CRA, and then the CRA updates your file. But yes, it's true. But it's it's not that it's not accurate. It's just that it's it's not timely. That's really what what it is. They don't know what you've done in the meantime when they took that that snapshot of your file. So you still have to be mindful when you're making these contributions uh, that you're not going over those limits. Okay, you have to be really really mindful of that. Yeah, so it's important to if you really want to keep an eye on that to you know. Uh, track the contributions that you make or just make sure that you're whatever, you know, however you're investing, you can pop into those accounts and see, okay, add up all your transactions and then do the math and see like, oh, okay. So you don't accidentally go over because there's nothing worse than accidentally going over your contribution room because you thought you were within your limit and you weren't. Yeah, exactly. Because the penalties are stiff, actually. If you go if you go over those limits, whether it's TFSA or RSP, it's 1% per month that you're over, on the amount that you're over. Okay. And that's what they charge you as an extra penalty. It's not even a tax. It's a penalty that they charge you. So you have to be very, very careful, be very mindful. And, that, and that's where my account really comes in. Okay. My account really is a great tool to do this because you can see at any time, you know, you go to your browser, you simply log in and you can see at any time what your limits are uh, and also what your assessments are. And of course your uncast checks, which again, I'm, I'm still wrapping my head around it, uh, that people actually have uncast. And I think it was, it was quite a few million, right? That they had announced uh, uh I mean, it was it was it was it was a staggering amount uh, that I saw in the news, and it just doesn't make sense to me. But maybe people lost the checks. You know, they had it at home and they lost it, and now they can finally cash it in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you know, I mean, why? Again, I, I'm I'm still understanding this because I'm, uh, you know, for me, it's like if somebody owes you money. Because think of it this way: to me, this is what I tell people. Because when I was a preparer as well, uh, I would have people who were really late filing the returns because, like, ah, I've got a refund, so that's fine. Well, I will tell you this way: would you be that patient with somebody who you who owed money to you? Let's say you, you lent money to somebody, right? Would you be that patient? Would you wait two, three, four years before you would try to get your money back? Or would you actually be a lot more, you know, on the ball and try to get your money back? You know, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. The government is like that other, you know, like that's like that sponge cousin that you have, you know, that doesn't want to pay you back, right? I mean, that, that's how you got to view the CRA. That's how you got to view the government if you haven't cashed in your check. So yeah, I mean, like you said, it's, it, it's a new section. It's great. You simply click on it. I tried it today, actually, myself. I was curious and, and I went in there. Thankfully, I don't have any uncashed checks on my own. So, so I'm not just talking, you know, and, uh, and being hypocritical here. Uh, so you click on it and it simply mentions it to you. You know, it's just, a, it's just one click and it just tells you essentially whether uh, the government owes you money. Perfect. Um, okay. So before uh, I let you go, I just want to kind of uh, talk to anyone who's listening who is self-employed or maybe they have a side hustle. There's a lot of things that I feel like people don't know about self-employment. Having been like done the side hustle thing and now I've been self-employed for three years full time, I feel like I know more than the average person because I'm very organized and I actually enjoy accounting. But I think there's a lot of people that don't quite understand how things work. If you were to, let's just talk more about if you were to go from being an employee to becoming self-employed, what are some extra things that you need to do to make sure you are properly prepared? Because no longer do you have an employer to automatically kind of take that tax money um, and uh, give it to the government on your behalf. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing I think you, you just said it now is to, is to get organized. I mean, that's really the first step, okay? Because now when you have a business, you have to start tracking your expenses. Um, I, I would recommend strongly uh, it's worth the investment to invest in a, in a really good accounting software. Okay. It's, 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 it's worth the investment. It will save you hours of time. 
hours. Exactly. Hours of time. And also it'll actually get you money, right? Because you're going to, you're going to be able to track your expenses properly, not miss out on expenses you were entitled to. And believe me, you don't want to go back and do adjustments on expenses you missed. Okay. You don't want to do that with a CRA. Okay. Because afterward it, it just becomes very complicated and then they really audit you fully. Okay. To figure out what, uh, uh what's going on essentially. Uh, to be honest with you, you know, I would say right now, uh, what's great about uh, becoming, you know, having a side gig, for example, or becoming self-employed is that it's never been easier to do, okay, uh, for the simple reason of technology, okay? It's just, it's not, I mean, literally, you just download an Uber account, right? You can just download the Uber app and you could be driving tomorrow. I mean, it's, you know, or that, that, that moment, actually, You're, you, you'd be allowed to drive and start making some, some side money. It's never been easier and I would recommend strongly if you have a passion, if you have uh, something that you're good at, uh, that you can do on the side that can make you money. If you have some time uh, to spare, uh, you know, now's the, you know, there's never been a greater time to do it um, at, at that point. So, and again, this is where the accounting software comes in. I recommend it strongly just purely for the paper. A lot of these accounting packages now, they could archive your, uh, they could archive your expenses by simply, you know, snapping a picture and converting to PDF. Uh, and some of them can actually even read the receipts and, and, uh, and auto complete, uh, your state, your financial statements, right? Uh, so, so this is where I would say, you know, uh, invest in that beyond the tax side of things, invest in that. Uh, the other thing I would say is when it comes to, uh, for example, vehicle expenses, you have to keep a log, especially in your first year. Okay. So, so what the government tells you, and again, you can use software for this, by the way, you know, there's software that can actually track your business kilometers, right? Uh, so what the government tells you is when you're first starting off your business, you have to get, you have to keep a very detailed logbook of all your mileage, of all your business mileage in the first year. Okay. So you have to do this. And then, you, and then, and then usually even you get, you could go beyond, uh, the second year, you could just do about three or four months. Okay. At, at that point. But in the first year, I would keep a really detailed logbook in case the CRA audits you. And then every other year after that, what they require you to do is to keep at least three months, like one quarter of the year to keep a detailed logbook. Because remember that your, your vehicle expenses will be prorated, uh, based on, uh, your business mileage. Okay. Based on the mileage that you've done. So let's say a third of your mileage. Uh, with your car is done for your business, well, then a third of the expenses of the vehicle will be deductible off of your business income. Okay, that, that it's just a, a very simple formula uh, for the government uh, on that end. But you have to keep a very detailed logbook. I would recommend, even though the government tells you, you know what, you could just keep one quarter, I would recommend just keeping a detailed logbook year in, year out. I mean, that, that would be my advice because if you get audited, you know, that they, they can really start asking you questions on that quarter year that you, that you chose to, uh, to, to, to log. So I would just, and again, with software now, with technology, it's so easily done. It could just do it for you. There's really no sense in that with GPS location too. Uh, there's really no sense. In, 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 uh, in doing anything else. Uh, beyond that, I would say somebody who's starting off their business, usually the, the most common expenses they will have will be the business use of home. Uh, but, but there are some, you know, I, I do have to specify things. A lot of people think, you know what, I've got my little desk in my bedroom and, uh, you know, I'll just go there and, you know, I'll call that, I'll call my bedroom as my home office. That doesn't work. Okay. That, that does not pass mustard, uh, with a CRA, uh, for the simple reason that, uh, what the, what the, what the tax code tells us is that whatever space you have for your home, uh, it, it, for your home dedicated to your business, it has to be dedicated to the business. Okay. So, so you're not using that room for anything else or that area apart from what you do for your business. Okay. And that's an important, uh, that's an important thing I wanted to mention because a lot of people think, like I said, I gave the example, Hey, I just stick a table in my bedroom and I'm good to go. No, it doesn't work that way. You have to really, that room has to be dedicated to your business. So that's, that's an important one. And what you can claim is quite a few things. Um, as far as business use of home, uh, for example, you know, your heating costs, uh, your electricity, uh, your, your, your homeowner's insurance, uh, or renter's insurance, for example, uh, any maintenance, you know, uh, property taxes, mortgage interest, if you own the home, uh, et cetera. You know, these are, these are expenses you can claim off of your business income, but again, on a prorated level. Uh, meaning that if the room you've dedicated in your house for your business is about 10%, of the total room of the house, uh, then you can deduct 10% of those expenses. Okay. That's again, the, 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 the prorated math that the government will use, uh, for you to claim, uh, you know, your business use of home. Um, and then beyond that, uh, you know, just remember the golden rule, uh, when it comes, and this is literally written in the act, uh, in the tax act, the golden rule of any 
expense, whether you think it's deductible or not for your business, is, is you have to ask yourself the following question. Is the expense, is the purpose of the expense for me to gain income? Is it for that purpose? So, so if I bought a pen, if I bought some supplies, okay, am I using those supplies for the purposes of making more money in my business? If the answer is yes, it is essentially deductible. Okay, that, that's the golden rule for the government. And it's literally written in the act. That, that's, you know, there, there's an article in the tax act that literally tells you that. If, you, if the expense was incurred for the purposes of you gaining income, it's a deductible expense. Okay, and, and, and then the rest is just details. You know, what type of expenses are eligible. Uh, now, other things uh, to be mindful of when it comes to uh, business expenses is, for example, your meals and entertainment. Okay, that's, that's a big one because the government limits what you're allowed to claim. So, you know, uh, so if I take out my customer and try to woo them, okay, for, uh, and, and then I decide, you know what, hey, I've been mean to go to this really expensive restaurant in my neighborhood. And, uh, you know, why not use this, right? It's deductible now, right? I mean, I'm trying to woo my customer and that's fully deductible. I'm allowed, uh, that, that is a deductible expense. But remember that the government is not stupid, okay? And, um, and what the government will say is, you know what? We're not going to use this as an excuse to go to the most expensive restaurant in town and deduct your meal. They'll only allow 50% of that meal to be deductible. Okay. Uh, so that's one limitation that you have to be mindful of. Okay. So there's some of them that they, that they really limit as far as that. Uh, yeah, no, I think an important thing too to remember, because I kind of get into this mode, I'm like, oh, it's okay. It's a business expense or it's deductible. My husband always reminds me, it's still your money that you're spending. <laughs> like, yes. Would you rather save that money or do you want to spend it? If you're going to spend it, spend it. But just remember, you are still spending your money. <laughs> yes. And you know what I use as, 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 a, as a rule, right? You know what I use, what I explain to people is that, is that just remember, do you think a Walmart would say, oh, you know what, I'll just we'll, we'll put a needless expense because they think they can deduct it tax-wise. They won't. No, neither would Amazon. Neither of, of the big conglomerates would ever do that. So just remember that a bit, the government is not in the business to save you money, to give you money in your pocket, okay? The government is there to simply you know, give you what you're due. Okay. And that means that you have to, it's precisely right. And that, and, and I hear this all the time. I see my friends go for dinners like, oh, it's, it's deductible. Don't worry about it. I could do it. No, no, no. Remember, the government is not in the business to give you money. Okay. You are there to make as much money as possible. Your business is like a person. Okay. And that person needs to make money. Okay. And at, and at the end of the day, you have to rationalize your expenses like any other business. Like I said, Walmart wouldn't do this. Why would you? And Walmart is one of the most successful companies in the world. So why would you? Okay, so, so absolutely, that's a very, very good point. And I mentioned this a lot in other interviews that I've done, is that, remember, it's a business. It's there to make money. Okay, so you have to squeeze every last dollar you can out of that business. Yeah, you want to make a profit. <laughs> that is the goal, not to spend everything and then use it as a business expense. I mean, it's, it's good to have business expenses and stuff, but personally, uh, for in terms of like trying to find deductions, I'd rather have more money to put towards my RRSP than to just spend a, a ton of money on business expenses. The goal, I, I feel like if you want to be like, you know, a Walmart who's very profitable is to have a lean business and, and only spend money on business expenses when you really need to. Exactly. That, that's, and that's the point. You're no different than a Walmart. It's a business just like your thing is a business right now, right? So, so at the end of the day, you have to rationalize your expenses as much. Even, even if your expense is tax preferred, it doesn't matter. It's still money that's out of your pocket. It's no longer in the business. You could have taken that money and used it somewhere else in the business. So no, absolutely. That's what I would say. Uh, the last thing I would just mention as far as uh, business expenses is also um, the, the, the expense that you're going to have depends on whether the good that you're buying is durable or not. Okay. Just remember, like, for example, we mentioned vehicles. Okay. Uh, a vehicle expense is a durable good, which means you can't simply deduct uh, the, the, the purchase price of your vehicle. Okay. It doesn't work that way. You, you, what you do is that you depreciate that there's your, the accounting, accounting term there. You depreciate the V the value of the vehicle as per what the government allows you to depreciate. Okay. Uh, another example of this would be, uh, would be like computer equipment would be another example of this. Okay. So remember that computer equipment is a depreciable well, government considers it a capital asset. It's a depreciable property because it's a durable good. It'll last you for many years. It's like a pen that you can simply throw out within a cut within a couple of months. You know, uh, a computer will last you long. And then in that case, you can't deduct it fully. Okay. You, you can only deduct a percentage of the value of that, of that uh, computer, uh, based on, yeah, based on the percentage that is prescribed, uh, by the CRA. And by the way, right now is, is a, is a really great time 
to buy these type of depreciable assets on your tax return. Because of last year, what, they call, what the government calls the accelerated investment incentive, well, in the first year you purchased the property now, you could actually triple your first year depreciation rate. Okay, and this is this is since to, since the twentieth of November two thousand eighteen when they when they made the economic update. Uh, as of that point, any capital asset you buy now for your business beyond that day, which would be the twentieth of November two thousand eighteen, you could triple your first year depreciation rate now as an expense. So that's a really nice one. And, and so now, you know, if you're investing your, in your business and you really want to get it, get it from the ground, ground up essentially, and you were waiting on buying some of these assets, don't wait because now you're getting a much better, uh, a much bigger expense that you can deduct uh, off of your, um, uh, off of your uh, business income. Amazing. So now, of course, I'm kind of contradicting myself because we just told people, hey, don't spend yeah. money and everything. But if you're going to. But, but, but if you're going to, if you were thinking about it, you know, if you were thinking between this year and next year, well, don't wait because uh, in this case, uh, you're getting the, the tax for treatment already. You know, you're getting it immediately. So, so, you know, the government added that what we call the accelerated investment incentive and they're tripling the rate. So that's a really, really big incentive there. You know, the government is giving everybody. Definitely. Wow. A lot of food for thought. Hopefully this has inspired people to get their stuff together and do their taxes. I wrote down a few notes. I'm like, I've already kind of started been compiling all my stuff. And I'm like, you know what? You mentioned home insurance. I'm not sure if I, I included that for, you know, possible business expense. So I wrote that down. I don't know if there you have you to go. check after this interview. I'm, like, I'm not sure actually. It's a, I'm glad I talked to you. Um, Cause there's so many things, like you said, that could be, you know, a business expense that you may forget about. There's so many different things. So it's, it's important to uh, have that in front of mind. Just remember the golden rule. Did you incur that expense to make money in your business? If the answer is yes, then it's very likely you will be able to deduct that expense. Just remember that, that golden rule and that, that should guide you. And then from there, just do a little bit more digging, you know, just, just, just go into the guide. Uh, you know, the, the, the CRA guide for business is, is I can mention it now. It's, it's the T4002. Just Google that uh, and it'll take you directly to the business guide. And that'll explain a lot of what I just, what I just mentioned uh, today in the podcast. So absolutely. Absolutely. So I guess if anyone wants to get started and they want to use use file, highly recommend that you use my special promo code that you can get 15% off. Uh, it's just promo code Mo Money. So make sure to do that. Save some money on getting your taxes done. It's always a nice little extra. Um, but where can people find more helpful, useful information uh, about taxis and any kind of uh, resources you can point them to on the UFAL website? Okay. So on the UFAL website, we have, um, we write a really nice uh, tax blog Okay, on our, uh, directly on our website, which is on ufile.ca. And when you go to uh, ufile.ca, there's some tabs at the top. Uh, and there's one that, and there's a tab called tips and tools. And when you go there, there's one option there called the UFAL blog. And there we write, you know, a lot of general interest uh, articles about taxation. Uh, we give you, you know, some additional tidbits about things. I mean, the, the last article that we wrote, which is a really nice and handy one, is if you're studying abroad, what are the tax consequences in Canada? Okay. Now, of course, you know, I, maybe that's not the, the, considering where we're, where we're at right now, what's going on in the world, uh, that might not be something that, um, that's prescient right now. But we also have, for example, uh, an RSP and TFSA comparative as well. And not, and not just your dry, oh, an RSP is deductible, TFSA is not deductible, you know, not a dry article like that, but basically, you know, how can you maximize your savings? Worth. What are certain questions you should ask yourself before you you decide to invest uh, between one and the other? Okay, and on our website as well, we also have like a, a tax in you section, uh, essentially where we have certain basic questions that a lot of taxpayers always ask, and we give quick answers uh, to those questions as well. So that's all found, you know, on, on our UFile webpage, which is uh, ufile.ca. And we also have an income tax calculator, by the way. Oh, well, uh, there which you is, go. Uh, what you were mentioning uh, before as well. So, so we have a little calculator that you were looking for. We have it on the UFAL uh, tips and tips and tools uh, section of the UFAL website. So we have that as well. Perfect. And I will link to those all in the show notes for this episode. So make sure to check those out. Well, thanks so much, Jerry, for joining me again. It's been uh, too long, so many years. I'm glad you were back in the show to uh, share your knowledge. You just have so much. So thanks so much. Oh, thank, well, thank you for inviting me again. Thank you. And that was episode 233 with Jerry Veteratos, tax expert extraordinaire. Make sure to check out ufile.cn if you're going to use that software. Make sure to use code MOMONEY to get 15% off because save money. Saving money is always the best thing to do. And if you haven't already, 
you know, take this time to to get your stuff together. I also have a free um, tax preparation checklist in case you're like, what forms do I need again? I made one a couple years ago. I freshened it up for you. Go to jessicamorehouse.com slash tax prep checklist. I will also include a link in the show notes at jessicamorehouse.com slash 233 for you. You can download the PDF. You have this wonderful uh, tax prep checklist. This is also for Americans too. So it's a tax prep checklist I made uh, for Canadians and Americans. So it'll give you kind of all the forms that you need to get your taxes done, but just make sure to put it in your calendar and get it done. Get it done before the deadline. And then you can move on with your life and not think about taxes anymore. Um, So I hope you really enjoyed this episode. Uh, Come back here tomorrow, Friday, for another Money Minute episode with yours truly. Until then, have a good rest of your day. I'll see you later. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.